0: Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to a very special episode of Cryptique. I'm joined, as always, by my podcast partner on this journey through the cosmos,
1: Brian. Good evening, sir. How you doing? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm a little apprehensive since you didn't use one of your normal jokes.
0: Yeah, well, we've got a guest, so I kind of wanted to do yeah. it. You
1: want to be a little bit professional. Hey, just, <laughs> just, just a smidge. Just a, a veneer of, of professionalism. All right, well,
0: you want to tell them what they need to know so we can get to our guest?
1: Yeah, you guys know what I'm going to say if you've listened before. Please interact with us on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. It's a great way for the algorithms and our AI overlords to learn that this is a good show and more people should see it. Either they're going to hate listen to it or they're going to like it, hopefully. (laughs) The best way is still always to share it with somebody who you think will like it. We all have movie shows, TV shows that we started on because somebody recommended them to us, and they usually end up being some of our favorites, so that that would be a great way for us to spread out too. If you want to get in contact with us and let us know what you'd like to hear, what you love, what you hate, what you want us to stop, how many, you know, if you want us to get into more Uh, Japanese folklore, so we can mispronounce things. We'd love to hear it at at gmail.com. You can find out what we're hawking over at crypteekpodcaststore.com. You can find us on TikTok, YouTube, all the socials. And uh, I think it's time to get into this interview. What do we got coming up? Tonight,
0: Cryptique is thrilled to have Dave Barnett, Dave the Mystic, or Mystic Dave. Dave the Mystic, also known as David Barnett, boasts a remarkable career spanning over 35 years as an adept energy healer and intuitive practitioner based in Colorado. Beyond his spiritual prowess, Dave brings a unique twist to his profile. With multiple technical degrees, he is a true rocket scientist. His journey into the realms of energy healing and spirituality took root in the early 1980s, marking significant turning points in his life. Dave's diverse talents encompass healing, delving into the Akashic records, energy and entity clearing, transformative work on core beliefs, karma resolution, soul fragment retrieval, and the discernment of spiritual gifts. He extends his wisdom by coaching and mentoring individuals on their own spiritual paths. Continually in pursuit of new modalities and knowledge, Dave actively seeks out, learns, and shares these insights through his weekly web radio show, Shining a Light on the Ever-Evolving Landscape of Spiritual Exploration. Mystic Dave, welcome to Cryptique. How are you doing tonight?
2: Doing good. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Well, thanks for joining us. Ryan, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well. I'm a little... Sorry that we're going to have to ask Dave to explain his background, because I've watched a lot of your interviews recently, and I know that's something that you get asked every time. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's probably a, a long story to go through, and it was, we, you and I have an employer in common in our background, which is Boeing. Oh, okay. And, it, and watching you do your intro on all these different shows kind of made me think of when Boeing used to send me to different sites. Mm-hmm. And every time I got there, I'd get to whatever conference room I'm supposed to be in and say, hi, I'm Ryan. I'm from St. Louis. This is what I do. This is why they sent me here. This is a little bit about my background. And after a while, it's like, feels like you're the Manchurian candidate. They give you the cue (laughs) and you just go right into your speech.
0: well you know we can leave it at that we'll have everything in the show notes <laughs> but i do want you to tell the listeners where they can find your website because one thing ryan and i are kind of big on is if someone is listening to this podcast and you're not driving we're flying a plane or a helicopter or whatever follow along on dave's website and and i think that makes it a more uh organic experience they get to you know, see what your website's all about. And ultimately, that's where we want them to go anyway. So tell them where they can find your website. Sure,
2: that's easy. It's mystic all one word, .com. And do you prefer Mystic Dave or Dave the Mystic? Oh, just Dave. Uh, Dave the Mystic is what I use on my signage at fairs and things, uh, so people have some idea of what they're approaching.
0: Well, that's fair. I can certainly appreciate that. All right. Well, here's the bad part. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Maybe, maybe something we didn't cover. Maybe some detail that we didn't get right, or something like that.
2: Well, the uh, people always ask me, you know, did you grow up uh, psychic? And I have to say, not noticeably, but I was a sensitive kid. I had three older brothers, and uh, the middle two picked on me unmercifully, and the oldest one was my protector if he was around. My parents divorced when I was around 11. My dad had been an engineer, and then he became an Episcopal priest, and then uh, due to some uh, slippages on his part, uh, he had to leave the priesthood uh, when I was 11, and my parents got a divorce. Um, What sort of opened things up then was my mom, just as a joke with a friend, went to have a, a horoscope reading, and the astrologer nailed so many things that were evidential for her that my mom, being a curious person, said, I have to go find out how this works. And so the rest of her life, she was uh, learning more and more on uh, astrology. And that was back when you had to do the charts by hand. You couldn't do them on a computer. Uh, We we didn't have laptops back then. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I ended up being sort of her guinea pig to try other psychic things on because In that time frame, Yuri Geller was very popular. Uh, We had the Rhine Institute and the Rhine Cards. Those were very popular. Uh, Things were just kind of popping, and my mom wanted to try it, and so I'd try it with her. My my brothers would have nothing to do with it. So that that was a contribution to me that kept me open to the idea that this stuff is out there and can exist. The the big uh, change for me, so I I went to... uh, get My bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. I went to Michigan to get my master's. I worked at GM for a couple of years, uh, didn't like GM or Michigan. Came back to Wichita and worked for Boeing for a couple of years and found that Wichita was just too small for me then. And Martin Marietta came through in 1981 hiring, and I came out to Denver and I've been here ever since. In uh, 1983, I went back to Wichita for my 10th high school reunion and ran into an old friend, and after beating around a bush, he finally said he wanted to show me something at his house, and we went over there, and it turns out that he could radically affect electronic things with just mental power. Uh, He showed me that he could change the speed on uh, the dial on his electric meter just by pointing at it and saying now, and it would slow by a third. Um, He had a TV that was on rabbit ears and he put it on a snow channel no, no transmitted channel there he points at the TV right. and says now and he tunes in a station uh, we sat in his car and uh, it was idling and he had his feet and hands off the controls and he pointed at the engine and said now he could slow down the idle to the point where the car would stall and he told me he could stall car, other cars in traffic uh, we went down right. to his radio station where he was an FM uh, disc jockey and we went into the mm-hmm. meter room where they have all the monitoring equipment for the transmitter health. He pointed to a meter and said, you can see that, and it's st- stable. And I said, yeah, it was, it was 99.6. And he said, well, that's the percentage of the rated 50,000 watts that's going out the antenna. And he said, I can lower it. If I lower it too much, they'll think there's a fault, and it'll trip off the air. And I don't want to do that. I've done that before. But just watch it. Sure. And he said, now, and it goes from 99.6 to 99.2. Well, four tenths of a percent of 50,000 watts is a heck of a lot of power to control on command with mental power. Um, so, the upshot of it yeah. was um, I came back to Denver from that uh, visit, and I, I had just sort of been running into some existential issues of my own about electrical engineering and the fact that everything in electrical engineering is based on math models. Uh, but they don't explain uh, the fundamental nature of reality. And I thought, well, Mm -hmm. I'm ready for that. I've run out of steam on engineering telling telling me how the universe works. And so I got very involved with uh, energy healing and uh, psychic gift development. And uh, I even joined a group that was called the Tibetan Foundation, and they did channeling of ascended masters. And I learned how to do Mm -hmm. channeling. And then... Uh, I, I stayed in my aerospace job during the day, and then after hours I would do these other activities, go to classes, practice them with others, uh, even start taking clients on. And I, I kept those two mm-hmm. worlds very separate, um, pretty much absolute until 2019. Uh, I picked up a lot more clients starting in about 2005 moving forward, but I still kept those two worlds separate because aerospace just wasn't ready for Dave the healer. You know, just uh, right, uh, right. they weren't going to be comfortable with that. So I, I finally got out of aerospace once and for all in 2019. I could uh, uh, get away from worrying about who's going to call me out or discover that, you know, Dave the Mystic is also uh, Dave the, the licensed professional engineer working on satellites. Uh, so I got away right. from that concern.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Those two worlds were definitely not ready to mix at that time. But things are getting better, though, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Since 2000, um, a lot of people would be very comfortable with me saying, I do alternative healing or holistic health. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you start talking to them about, well, I do entity and energy clearing because you may have uh, uh, disembodied spirits around your house or demons... Um, no, they're not so cool with that. Yeah,
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. So what's keeping you busy these days?
2: Well, um, I've been just doing a lot of clearing work. Um, in 1989, we had a thing called the harmonic convergence. I really didn't participate in it. I wasn't that much aware of it, but that was sort of a Mm -hmm. kickoff for a transition that I believe is happening as we move from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, uh, all the hoopla about 2012 and 1212 uh, 12, 2012, the Mayan calendar, all that, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but I do know that in 2012, everything kicked up on the energy. Uh, it went up many notches. And my uh, my work on doing energy and entity clearing went up exponentially after that. And my view of the world from that is that, we are approaching a time for a, a very big vibrational shift where uh, we, have may, we may have many people on this vibrational level of Earth um, moving upwards to other vibrational levels of Earth and physically leaving this Earth. I think that's already been happening. And um, in order to prepare people for that, uh, I think things have been getting uh, more and more challenging energetically. So that people have to come out of their hidey holes, come out of the basement playing video games and get engaged and uh, find out morally and ethically what they're truly made of. So uh, I think the planet has been uh, deliberately set up to give a lot of challenges to a lot of people so they can really start growing. And uh, it's not going to be painless. Uh, uh, My view is Earth is a boot camp. Earth was never meant to be... uh, uh, sort of Tahiti, laying on the beach with uh, an umbrella drink in your hand sure. all day long. I I don't think uh, we were set up to be a vacation planet.
0: Well, I agree with that. When you are doing an energy clearing or a, a healing, and correct me if I'm not using the right terms, please, are you just absolutely exhausted after that? Do you need to like go sleep for 15 hours or how, how does that work?
2: No, no, not at all. Um, I'll tell you, I grew up in the Episcopal church and, uh, my dad was an Episcopal priest and finally in high school, you know, my parents had divorced and I was still going to church with my mom in high school. As a senior, I pretty much quit going to sure. church. Uh, it wasn't that meaningful to me and the people I looked at around in the pews, um, they have been going there for years. They had everything memorized. It seemed like they're just going yeah. through the motions. They, they, they weren't, uh, emotionally or spiritually engaged. They were there marking time. And that's when I got a little bit of a jaundiced view of Mm -hmm. rituals. Um, Now, I appreciate that there are people out there who say, oh, this object has a bad energy on it. Somebody cursed it. We need to put it in a salt water bath under a full moon Mm -hmm. for two nights, things like that. Okay. If that's what's in your view of the world, fine. Please, please do it. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Uh, For my purposes, I'm not very much, uh, involved in dogma or, or ritual. Um, I look for shortcuts. I look for ways to speed mm-hmm. up things. I, I look for the fastest way to work with uh, energetic beings. And so, um, my process for doing clearings is, uh, is a pretty fast process. And, uh, my first clearing that I ever did, uh, where somebody called me while I was on vacation in Las Vegas, I did it remotely and I, I just discovered, well, if clearing remotely works for that, it'll work for sure. everything. And so I, I have a policy. I never uh, go to a site for clearings. Therefore, I, I clear all over the world. I've cleared in probably 20 or 30 different countries uh, as well as the U.S. And um, I, I think a big warning flag, because I work with a lot of people who are new to healing or they've, they've had one course in right. Reiki and stuff, um uh, when you're doing this energy work, if you ever feel tired or exhausted, um, you need to step back and re-examine how you're doing it because uh, you should be a conduit for the universe or the creator, whatever your view is of the, the mm-hmm. great beyond. You should be a conduit for that energy and conduct a, conduct that to somebody else. You should not be using your own energy to charge up somebody mm-hmm. else. Um In fact, when you're a conduit, you should tap off some of that of what you're channeling somebody else and charge yourself up. So, um, yeah, to me, it's a warning sign. If somebody is doing metaphysical work and comes away from it tired or exhausted, um, they need to rethink uh, how they're moving energy around and not be tapping into their own energy and giving it to others.
0: Well, yeah, that makes sense for sure. Now, we've got a bunch of questions, and I apologize. We don't really have a good order to go in, no, no problem. But there's there's so much to get into. Now you say that uh, you do remote clearings, and are we're, yes. we're talking uh, people, places, and things?
2: Yes. Okay. Um, I, I'm I'm an engineer and a Virgo, and uh, over the years I've continued to build up a uh, a spreadsheet, a worksheet that uh, has little boxes on it. The left-hand uh, column is where I put people's names who are involved in the clearing. They live in the house. And then uh, the pets and the vehicles. And then um, in a lower division of the sheet, I also have uh, the address for for the house. And if there are any outbuildings on the property, like sheds or pool houses, I add those. And so I do a complete clearing. I do it all the people at a site. Pets, vehicles, and all the buildings at a site. And so uh, it truly clears the whole property. And as part of the process, I put protections in place okay. uh, to help the client and explain how to the client how to keep those charged up. Sure. But I, I do this all remotely. So in the first session with a client, um, the client will have a copy of the worksheet that they've printed. Uh, I explain it to them, the headings. I muscle test, I identify how many of each type of entity is there, Mm -hmm. whether it's earthbound spirits or demons or large dark entities, etc. And um, so we fill out the chart together, and then between the first and second phone call, in a meditative state uh, with some structure to it, I do the clearing and check off the things on the sheet as I go through it. And then uh, we get back together for the second call, I explain the results... I may have them repeat some scripts because I look at a few connections to past lives. And, and if they're there, I walk them through scripts to release those uh, karmic connections. Mm-hmm. And then about two weeks after that, uh, we have a final third call where I've done a, another recheck, just to make sure nothing new has shown up. And if it has, I've taken care of it. So uh, that's my process. And uh, it's a flat rate fee. I don't charge by the head or by the building, okay. uh, things like that. Now, If somebody says, well, I have a business property and I have a house, then that will usually be two separate sessions and two separate charges. Sometimes I try to combine them, but I usually like to keep those separate.
0: Yeah, I I understand how that could could be a problem. Now, we talk about demons, and I think if you say the word demon, people automatically Mm -hmm. jump to Christianity and, you know, the demons that are you know, in a biblical sense, is that what we're dealing with? Or are these just entities that have never had a body or how does that work?
2: Well, I've, uh, it, this may sound strange. I, I've had conversations with different creators. I believe that we're working with creator number seven and, uh, I've met with creator number one and creator number one is the one who came up with the idea that rather than coming up with artificial challenges on the planet to, uh, help people grow and discern and solve problems. Um, he came up with the idea to, to create something called the source of all evil, and the source of all evil spun off these demons so that there would be something objectively different than people that would uh, essentially interfere, would uh, cause problems, and thereby cause challenges. Mm-hmm. And people would have an opportunity to discern and make up their mind on what kind of choices they're going to make in their life? Are they going to um, take the straightforward path, which might be a lot of work, or they go take the easy path, which might involve doing uh, dark things, what we might call evil, mm-hmm. uh, undesirable, sociopathic things, sure. and then they're going to have even harder time recovering from that as they learn. But either way, it's a learning lesson. So, uh, again, I, I come back to this being a boot camp, and uh, we, we have to have. Uh, the the troublemakers out there in the dark side on uh, energetically in order to um, influence people if they allow themselves to be influenced and to uh, get these challenges. So uh, I just see the dark entities as being another realm of uh, beings under the creator. They all have a spark of the divine in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the ways that you can clear them is to get their attention. Tell them, you know, if you look inside yourself, you see a little bright spot. And they look, and as soon as they see it, that bright spot, which is a spark of the creator, immediately grows and fully consumes them, and they go back to the light. Hmm. So, um, you know, they're just another uh, creation under the creator. They have a specific role, and to some degree, they're a little bit of uh, uh, automatic in, in doing that role. You know, they, they don't really have the capability to discern that they shouldn't be doing it. You know, it's, okay. they're, they're a little bit robotic.
0: Okay, Well, I I guess that's good news. Now, when uh, they see this, you know, spark of God or or whatever, you know, you want to call it, and then they go back to the light, are you freeing them from their darkness as well? Find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers.
2: Yeah, you're, you're putting them on a path where they can spiritually grow now. And they they get uh, coached. They get uh, other angels or others to uh, accompany them so that they can move forward. But yeah, you, you put them back into a path where uh, they can start growing. They're, they're done with their mission of being a dark entity.
0: Well, that's amazing because, you know, most of the people that we talk to, they say, oh, I send them back to the darkness or, you know, I banish them or, or whatever. But you're actually helping a dark entity at the same time that you're helping someone else. So that's fantastic.
2: Yeah. I, in a lot of cases, I give them three choices. They can either go back to the dark side and I caution them that if they do that, they'll be punished. And there are punishments that are painful uh to dark entities. sure. Um, they can go to the light. They can be accompanied and uh, get on a path of spiritual growth. A third option is to just be dissolved into raw energy and go away. And some of them choose that because basically they say, if I can't play on earth and, and hassle people, I don't want to be here. Uh, it's like, okay, fine. That's your choice.
0: Yeah, that's pretty stubborn. Have you had a, a call or, or an email where someone's like, Dave, I know you told me not to do this, and I know you told me not to do that, or whatever it may be. My daughter was playing with an a Ouija board, and now we've yeah. got something back.
2: Uh-huh. There, there are uh, a number of things, as I get the background on what people are going through. Um, I... I hope I'm not insulting anybody, but I I find that the level of understanding for people who do paranormal investigation in terms of what the entities are like and what they're likely to run run into, uh, in a lot of cases, is not very sophisticated. A hundred percent. from my point of view, they're going up and whacking a hornet's nest and saying, I dare you to come out. (laughs) Um, I've had to clear some people who do paranormal investigations who've gotten entities attached to them who are talking in their head. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very difficult to get those out of their head.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but I also caution people, I, I said, I, there's a lot of energy in those paranormal investigation TV shows, <laughs> and you're be watching that TV and the energy in that show due to the entities they're working with is strong enough that they may come in and get into your house. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to discourage people from watching those kinds of shows or, or things like Poltergeist where it just puts you in a mindset that there are things out there and your subconscious may start interacting with some uh, low vibration entities and possibly enabling them to come into our reality. Um, So there there are things out there that we don't understand, but my personal view is it's not healthy to uh, watch those kinds of shows. Uh, You you mentioned the Ouija board. Um, Here's the thing with the Ouija board is um, inexperienced people don't know how to shield themselves from dark things and just communicate with light beams, and experienced people don't need it because it's tedious to spell things out rather than <laughs> just being intuitive or mediumistic and getting the message in your head.
0: Sure.
2: So uh, the Ouija board just doesn't really have a good use for anybody, whether they're experienced or, or beginners. Uh, but uh, the beginners, you know, teenage girls having a slumber party and playing with it, they can open up uh, portals that allow entities to start coming into the house, just because they're basically sending out messages message that says, we want to talk to anything that's out there. And they may connect to some very dark things from the astral plane who uh, pull a con game on them and make them think that they're talking to a dead relative or something. Mm-hmm. So it's authentic. And then over time, they may get uh, very uh, disturbing requests to do things that seem to be sexual or drug-related or immoral sure. or harmful to others. Um, and so I, I just really you know, caution people and just throw, throw away the Ouija board. It, it's just not useful.
0: Yeah, we, we feel the same way. And, and <laughs> I definitely feel the same way about uh, a lot of paranormal investigators. Everybody, Like we were talking about it on the last episode, everybody's an expert. This is our video expert. This is our audio yes. expert. And it's like, well did you like go to school, you know, for, you know, for video production and whatnot, or do you just know how yeah. to work your camera really good? Cause there's a big difference.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm assuming that these dark entities are attracted to our fear. Is that what they feed off of?
2: Well, from a very simple way to split the map, There are some dark entities who are just giving an an open hunting license to go out and find somebody or something where they can cause problems. There are other dark entities that have a specific task to go get around somebody and to manipulate them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I run into both kinds and uh, take care of them. So that's where I I see a lot of this coming from. So uh, there may be some dark entities that, you know, have your name they they want to target you they they want to interfere with your life they want to uh, plant ideas in your head of things that you might do that are inappropriate uh, things like that or you know they might get worse and worse where they really want to attach to you and start uh, pulling down your energy Um, you know a lot lot of different possibilities.
0: Do you see a lot of people that are kind of in or it's probably more likely that you're in contact with their parents, but people that do self-harm, is a lot of that caused by this darkness?
2: It's certainly worth looking into. Um, I, I work with people in, in different um, aspects, so I can look at their current situation. I do a lot of work with people subconscious to find out if they have uh, rules that are embedded in their subconscious on what I like to joke about as being like a little hard drive with uh, uh, software instructions. You know, are there some there that we need to modify or change that they may have picked up as kids that no longer serve them? But I I also look at past life connections. Uh, From my point of view, uh, past lives are still ongoing. They aren't over and done with and the film is in the can. And therefore if you have a past life that suddenly throws a a horrendously bad illness. Say uh, they they suddenly get dust contamination from working in a mine and they can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes that rolls over to the present life and the person starts having uh, congestion, uh, bronchitis, lung issues. And Mm -hmm. so I might need to discern that they have this connection to the past life and have the person be a surrogate for the past life. And we do healing work on the past life. Form of them to help them heal, and then we work on getting them to disconnect the need to reach forward to the present life. Um, this is also true with what I call parallel lives. Um, as you go through life and you make significant decisions, uh, maybe you, you decide to marry Betty. Well, at that time, you may spin off some alternate lives in parallel universes where uh, another form of you marries Jill, and another form of you stays single. Uh, Mm -hmm. This allows your higher self to have the the complete spectrum of life experience from all the options you could have selected from. Well, again, sometimes I find that these parallel lives, uh, they might be living in dire circumstances. They have health problems, financial problems, things like that. And they may reach across the veil and also influence you to try to get your attention, to give them some help. So there's a lot of different ways that I see uh, health issues, life issues, things like that manifesting and uh, being able to drill down into those and then do some corrective work. uh, I found that to be very valuable.
0: It's really amazing what you do. And, And I hope that people again are following along on the website. How did these entities get here? I mean, is it wormholes? Is a portal a connection to a wormhole? How does that all work?
2: Um, I see the basic idea of a portal as being like a little trap door that allows entities from the astral plane to come into our reality. Now, the astral plane is very close to us. Uh, That's where earthbound spirits, people who've died but didn't go to to the spiritual plane, that's where they hang out. And uh, in a lot of cases, they can see or sense us and, uh, get near us, uh, they may be very frustrated that they have a hard time getting our attention or trying to connect with us, uh, because a lot of them don't really understand the nature of uh, spirituality and, uh, how to do things, and, uh, so they're, they're frustrated, um, but, uh, wormholes, uh, may allow things to come from other universes, other dimensions, uh, and it may bring through some, uh, Uh, various forms of some ETs that aren't very pleasant. It might bring through some other uh, entities that we would say, well, that looks like a dark entity out of our astral plane, but it might be significantly different. It might be uh, uh, more unpleasant. They might be more manipulating. So um, yeah, there are ways for things to get around us and get into our reality. And you um, you remember the old joke about you don't want to invite a vampire into your house because once you do, you know, you got them. Yeah. Um, you know, people need to be careful on uh, uh, especially mild forms of paganism or Wiccan that they, they don't inadvertently open up uh, portals or realities to uh, allow entities to come through. You know, where they, they've essentially invited them and now it's going to be difficult to get rid of them. They're going to be uh, problematic.
0: If someone is requesting your help and you know, you're doing this remotely. Do they need to say like, okay, I'm at four cryptic court in St. Louis, Missouri, or is it just a connection that you make?
2: Um, on on my worksheet, I I put down first names of all the people we're going to clear. Uh, I grouped the pets all together in one box. I grouped the vehicles all together in one box, but then for the uh, building, um, you know, a lot of people give me the full street address. All I use is the street number. Uh, that's sufficient. And uh, the other thing I do is, if it's a multi-family building, like a, a condo with a lot of units or an apartment building, I will clear that person's uh, particular unit, and then I will lump together the rest of the building and clear it, because it, it doesn't make sense to me to just clear one apartment and still have entities walking the hallways. <laughs> so. Uh, all their friends get a free ride on getting a clearing for their, uh, their units. (laughs)
0: That's the way to do it. They just need to pitch in and everybody, uh, you know, throws in a few bucks and gets the whole property cleared. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a party. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So you mentioned that some of these dark entities have kind of a, a free reign. Like you can go seek out whoever you want Does the Creator send out light entities to do the same
2: thing? Oh, absolutely. You know, we we have uh, angels and archangels. Um, If you look at the the Catholic Church and derivative things based on that, Mm -hmm. they might have seven or eight different levels of angelic power, you know, with different names. Um, I pretty much just go with um, angels and archangels. Occasionally, Somebody will say, well, what about the seraphim? Okay, let's talk about the seraphim. Maybe they're higher than the archangels. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I just uh, gravitate towards those spiritual beings who uh, want to coach me, guide me, help me, uh, that type of thing. There's another realm under the Creator, and that's gods and goddesses. Mm. Now, we have a a long history of mythology. What I found in my work with these beings is that... um, uh, mythology are just morality stories that came out of the Greeks and Romans and, and others even before them. Right. Uh, they don't really reflect the true nature of these gods and goddesses. And um, over the past 10 years, I've been working with uh, a lot of these goddesses. I think there's about 300 of them being led by the goddess Athena who are showing up on the planet in disguise uh, to help out. I, I believe that their original mission was when people were very primitive, maybe 10,000 BC, and trying to survive on this rock, um, that these gods and goddesses showed up and showed them how to hybridize grain uh, out of grasses, showed them how to domesticate animals, showed them Mm. how to uh, make fruit trees, uh, give edible fruit, uh, all these things. Um, I just can't accept the fact that people didn't have reading or writing, and their average lifespan was 25 to 30 uh, could produce enough geniuses all over the place that they suddenly had oats, they suddenly had wheat mm. out of, uh, you know, uh, going season by season to, to hybridize grasses. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And uh, these gods and goddesses also give them coaching on how to set up uh, civilization and uh, forms of government in their villages so that they could get along and, and prosper and share the work. So, uh, yeah, and and were there ETs involved in some of that, too? Probably. Uh, They seem to be much more prominent in the idea of uh, where the symbolism comes from for the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you go back and predate the Egyptians and just see who the people were and the the bare bones existence they had, um, they had help. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind they had help on being able to do that. I mean, you know, you have the internet, Jeremiah. If I said I'm going to lock you in a room or I'm going to lock you on a farm for five years, uh, and there are no uh, there are no grains, you know, out here, mm-hmm. you had to just take the grasses and you can use the internet all you want, and I want you to take those grasses and I want you to come up with an edible grain. What would be the odds that you could pull that off? I mean, it's it's pretty slim. I'd starve. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, or, you know, here's some, uh, here, here's some zebras. We want you to domesticate horses out of them. There can be beasts of burden. Mm-hmm. You know, let's see how long that goes. Yeah. Well, we don't have, uh, tame zebras yet. Right. You know, people tried for hundreds of years and they're too mean. <laughs> yeah. They're mean. They're, they're, uh, they're too wild. They, they can't be, uh, uh, domesticated or tamed, you know, and, and, uh, You know, if it was that easy, we would have done it by now. And uh, yet these people were doing it, you know, in 10,000 BC. Right, right. That's a great
0: point. I never thought about the fact that their lifespan was so short.
2: Yeah. It
0: it just never occurred to me. But that makes a lot of sense. Joe Rogan has a great joke where he's like, everybody thinks they're so smart. If I gave you a knife and a fire kit and sent you off into the woods, how long before you could send me a text?
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Well, that brings up the other thing, you know, the the speed of technology. uh, I I had a a great grandmother who died at the age of 102 in 1972. And she crossed the Great Plains in a covered wagon, and she lived to see man walking on the moon in one lifetime. You you know, how does that happen if we don't have some outside help? I, I just can't buy into the idea that, well, we just had a lot of clever people. Okay, well, somebody seeded those clever people then, you know, where we, we got into uh, understanding electricity with Michael Faraday and the first motor and uh, things like that. And uh, people discovering x-rays, discovering vacuum tubes, light bulbs, uh, all that kind of stuff. It, it moves so quickly. The internal combustion engine, steam engines, uh, all within span of just decades. Yeah. You know, it's it's such an explosion of knowledge that I think it really uh, defies explanation.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Ryan, do you have any questions you wanted to ask? I, I didn't want to keep jumping ahead and then have
1: you <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't have any questions per se. That's it's what we're talking about now is something I've thought about before that we've had this explosion of knowledge and and capability as a species that seems to be unprecedented, but I kind of buy into the idea that there have probably been ebbs and flows to human knowledge over time, and we've probably lost a lot of things, then we've regained something else. Um, but yeah, I've always found it pretty compelling to think that we've had knowledge seeded from somewhere else. And I just recently, you were talking about Joe Rogan, I just saw not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, a clip where he was talking with Neil deGrasse Tyson and for some reason they were talking about the Transformers movies. And then in one of them uh, they found one of the Decepticons, they being, I guess, the U.S. government way back in the past and they brought it and built the Hoover Dam around it. That was how they shielded it from the world and that's studying this alien technology is sort of the explanation as to how we came up with the semiconductor and x-rays like you're talking about and radio and all these other things that we were starting to dabble in, but then it just exploded. Yeah, it just progressed so so rapidly. I'm not advocating for the Transformer theory. That's not an official (laughs) position. (laughs) Or the movies. (laughs) They have their place. They're all right. might require a couple beers, but they're all right. Well, and, and, you know, people bring up uh, Atlantis and uh,
2: I think there's enough evidence for something like Atlantis having existed. Hmm. Uh, if you um, agree with the people who've channeled a lot of stuff or had uh, past life regressions of lives in Atlantis, uh, very different type of society and technology. And uh, it's, it seems credible to me that there, there could be things in crystals, uh, whether it's data or, or generating power, things like that that we haven't tumbled to yet because um, there, there's just so much that that we don't know. I mean, you know, if, if you look at my life, you know, I'm 68. If if I go back to college, um, I was already looking forward at the space program then and. I wouldn't have imagined that we would have hit the year 2020 and still be flying chemical rockets. Um, they, they're very efficient chemical rockets. Um, they, they do great things to get to space, but they're still based on Chinese technology of fireworks. You know, um, we, yeah. we, we haven't gotten past that in terms of how do we get something to orbit? Mm-hmm. What about,
0: you know, we talk about these leaps in knowledge advancement and, and potential with someone say like an Einstein or a Tesla, somebody who's just different. Do they have some like maybe a bigger, uh, divine spark in them or they maybe were these people channeling entities to help?
2: There's a lot of different opinions out there on what is the metaphysical nature of our DNA. Um, uh, There are people like Greg Braden who feel that our DNA uh, is like a set of antennas and can actually uh, DNA in a box can be coded and then change uh, the results of things that are brought near it in that box. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't buy into the idea that we have junk DNA. I think it's DNA that's just not expressed yet or hasn't been activated. Uh, So uh, some people may inherently tap into that better. The other thing, too, is uh, in the spiritual plane, there are groups there of uh, scientists, inventors, uh, artists, and a lot of what we have on the planet is uh, inspiration from those folks who have checked it out and tested it there before we get it. Mm-hmm. So there's probably the original Mona Lisa is in the spiritual plane, and uh, Leonardo da Vinci was inspired uh, subconsciously on uh, how he was going to create, you know, such a wonderful painting. Um, I think the same thing happens when, uh, oh gosh, you, you know, you come up with radio transmitters, you know, there, there's still fights between, you know, who, who invented the first uh, wireless telegraphy? You know, was it Marconi or or who? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I certainly think that, you know, a number of people were inspired out of the spiritual plane Uh, with the idea of what it looks like and what it would take to build it and they all pursued it and then it was a race to the patent office Um, (laughs) you know so we 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 have things uh, like that Um, there are so many uh, incidents on the planet of people in 10 different places all having the same idea for maybe making soft serve ice cream and they all build a machine at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, how did that happen and Some people might give it a little bit of a nudge and say, well, group consciousness. Uh, To me, a bigger nudge is um, I think that there's spiritual beings who uh, are constantly innovating and inventing and deciding which things we're ready for on technology. And uh, they inspire people who are ready for it, who uh, have the the mental tools to understand the concept and to move forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. It's just odd like with savants and and stuff like that and yeah. we had a guest that um we were talking about AI and and he was you know we asked him is military AI way advanced compared to commercial AI and he said that the AI in the military is very very specialized like it is just for one purpose and it's extremely good at that but on everything else it sucks. And I feel like with a lot of savants, it's like, you know, this six-year-old kid can hear a a Beethoven symphony and play the entire thing after just hearing it once, but but then can't socialize and has trouble with language and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh So yeah, that's kind of weird. Now, something you said earlier, you said that you'd spoken to the seventh creator Yes. Does that mean that we're on the seventh earth?
2: No. I believe that all spiritual beings evolve and go on to new assignments. And so um, I think somebody like Archangel Michael is an archetype. And uh, I believe I've perceived that the Archangel Michael consciousness of 10 years ago moved on in a new spiritual being, uh, got promoted into that position and and took over that archetype. Ah, I think the same thing happens with the creator, that the creator can evolve to a point where the creator is ready to move on to higher levels and have uh, another spiritual being uh, sort of take over the reins.
0: Okay, that makes sense. What do these, and I know everybody is waiting for this, what do these (laughs) beings look like? Like if you had to describe just one Archangel Michael that you've seen, how would you describe him? Find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers.
2: If they, uh, if you're emotional needs and logical uh, needs are such that Archangel Michael is going to make sense to you if you see a guy with long hair and a robe holding a sword and a shield. Got if that makes sense to you, if that's what you're expecting, that's probably how they'll present. They don't want to confuse you. They don't want to frighten you. Sure, um, I believe that we're, we're limited on, on what our senses can do, but mm-hmm. uh, probably the closest you can say is If you're going to see them in their native energy, you might see an undulating cloud of pastel colors. And if you're spiritually developed enough, that would be their signature. You would not confuse it with anybody else. Uh, Being humans here, if you saw a number of these clouds of undulating pastel colors, uh, you'd say, I don't know who's who here. Uh, Some uh, clairvoyants or others might say, Oh, well, I can I can feel and sense the differences in the energy and that is that's definitely uh, oh the a Raphael energy Archangel Raphael mm-hmm. you know that that's that comes to me that way they wouldn't necessarily see Archangel Raphael as a person in a robe sure. um, if, if you go back to um, uh, spiritual progress in the church you know for the last two millennia um, Angels were a contrivance put on figures in paintings to show that these spiritual beings had a way to traverse between the ground and flying up to heaven, which they perceived to be over them. Okay. You know, we, we still have uh, uh, funny turns of speech where we talk about going upwards into the heavens. Mm-hmm. You know, even on an airplane. Sure, um, but is heaven really up there? No, it's it's coincidental with our reality. Uh, it's just at different vibrational levels. So. Uh, we don't perceive it.
0: Well, that makes sense. I, I can definitely see that. Now, what about these dark entities that are, you know, feeding off your fear? Do they just appear as your worst
2: nightmare? Or? Well, it's funny. There there are some clearings I do where the husband has no entities around him, on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of comes through in interviewing the the wife is that the husband thinks about everything spiritual. It's just claptrap. And so there's not even really a toehold for an entity to get their attention and say, well, I'm around you now. You better watch out. And, you know, the guy's not even open to something saying, uh, I'm here and I'm going to bother you. You know, it's just like, well, it's all malarkey. Um, So to some degree, there are a few people who can isolate themselves from any type of entity just because their belief structure is so strong that it just doesn't exist. You know, wow. even hypothetically, it may not exist for them. You know, they aren't willing to grant you the idea that there could be a heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you are open to it, uh, you know, I, I do have people who see things, hear things. Um, I remember one woman I worked with, uh, she was in a hotel with her husband. and Her husband was always just kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. There are things out there. Well, he became a believer when one night... Some entity that they couldn't see had a hold of her leg and was trying to pull her out of bed onto the floor. And he was holding onto her arms, trying to keep her in the bed, and they couldn't see anything. He he uh, suddenly became a believer in this stuff and said, yeah, I will support you, you know, when you want to get clearings and things like that.
0: <laughs> I, I bet. That's that's a quick change, right? That'll make a believer out of anyone. Mm-hmm. So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I've been listening to you on Coast to Coast and some different places. And I thought at one point you had mentioned that we're on the third earth. That's where I was a little confused with the seventh creator. Um, What happened with the first two?
2: Well, they're there. There's uh, two lower vibration earths and four higher vibration earths. Um, My point of view is that uh, there are already people who've uh, made enough spiritual progress that they've been moved to those higher vibration earths and bubbled up to the appropriate level based on their, their growth and potential. Um, And I think in some cases they are uh, possibly taken out of families. A family might have four children and they wake up one morning, they have three children, all the pictures in the house say three children, Mm. that fourth child, they had their, their history changed with that family and uh, they moved to a higher vibration earth. I also think that there are some people on this planet who are so negative and so uh, unappreciative of the the bounty that we have on this planet that, in in their attempt to make other people think the same way, that I think some of them uh, are moved to lower vibration Earths, and if they want to be in a place that's a hard scrabble existence with no joy, and uh, everybody's on the brink of starvation, okay, we're gonna put you in your your happy spot. <laughs> you know, so I think a few people have been moved down, but uh, people have been moved up. I I feel that over a million people or a billion people have already been moved to higher vibration Earths and that uh, the people who uh, do demographics, uh, check the amount of food and water and fuel we use. Um, I just don't think they've caught up with it.
0: I see. So we're talking about vibrational levels, like if, if we just, you know, dug you know, five miles down, we wouldn't find uh, artifacts or anything. No, no,
2: no. These, this is like uh, the idea to help people understand this. Think back to AM radios where you, you turned a knob and the pointer went up and down the dial and there are different radio stations. Um, well, those radio stations didn't overlap. And if you pretended that each radio station had its own consciousness, you uh, you could scan through the dial and tap into each one of those consciousness, but those consciousness being in a fixed place on that dial can't overlap with each other or communicate with each other. They're not aware of each other. Hmm. So that's sort of the idea of different vibrational levels that can fully coexist uh, and be totally unaware of each other.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great way to describe it as a, as a radio getting back to these bad ghost hunting shows when, y- yeah, when you're watching and, and Ryan's uh, fiance loves them. And I just, <laughs> I, you know, I did ghost hunting in air quotes for a little while. And I just, uh-huh. I felt like people are just, Oh, we got to get pictures. We got to get recordings. They don't experience anything. They're just worried about trying to collect evidence. But when you're watching a show Uh, We'll say, I don't know what you watch, but uh,
1: what is it, Ryan? She likes ghost adventures. That's one of them. That's a bit of a point of contention for us because that's sort of her comfort TV. Mm. And it's one where they constantly will say, you know, there's an orb or there's a this or that. And it's kind of the point. The last time I tried to say something about it, I just pointed towards the TV And she just put her hand up and said, I know. I know it's fake. I know it's something with the camera that you understand. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah. Well, at least you know where you stand. When you're watching, if you, uh, and I know you don't watch these shows, but, you know, maybe you've seen a clip or something like that where we'll say the host is like, Oh, did you hear that? And, you know, they're looking down the hall or whatever. Can you see, like, it, maybe there's this entity that really is there that they don't see or, or you know don't detect with all this crazy equipment they use. Do you have you ever seen like oh my gosh, dude, you got one creeping right up behind you or, or anything like that? Uh,
2: my clairvoyance is such that uh, eyes wide open, I don't normally see things through intention. Okay, uh, I may see something out of the corner of my eye and I. I get a tr- strong hit on what it is, and, and when I look, I don't see it. Um, if I close my eyes, I can see chakras on people for healing purposes, um, and uh, I can muscle test to determine if entities are around and what they are, and I may ask uh, spiritual beings to tell me what's around me, but I, I don't necessarily see them. Uh, when I'm doing my clearing work and I'm meditating, I do see them uh, because then they're, confined in a safe place and I'm safe around them. So gotcha. uh, I can sort of study them like walking through a zoo.
0: <laughs> well, that's a great way to put it. That makes it, makes it seem a lot safer when there's bars and glass and you yes. know, uh-huh. spiritual protection up around you. So that's a good yeah. thing. You have a way that you can teach us to spot ETs here on earth, right?
2: Well, yeah, there's there's several uh, that are showing up. Okay. Um, this is one of the, the strange ones. It just happened to me again the other day. Um, I was out by uh, Denver International Airport, and uh, I'd gotten off a, a flight with my wife, and we'd gotten in a car, and we were leaving the airport, and sort of on the, the highway that goes by the airport, and uh, it covers part of the approach for uh, landing planes. Mm-hmm. and. I've seen this before, and it happened again. Um, E.T. spacecraft can disguise themselves as airliners, and they can hide in plain sight. Mm. And uh, at least two of the airliners I saw on approach were not moving. They were hovering. And in fact, one of them started hovering downwards. Now, is this an optical illusion? No, because I was comparing it to uh, features on the ground, Uh like uh, light poles and other things to make sure it wasn't just uh, a deceptions because I was driving and they are moving. Sure. No, these things were hovering. And yeah, uh, you know, the the casual person looking at it will just say, well, that's an airliner landing. They, they won't look at it long enough to say, wait a second, it's not moving. Mm. And uh, I, I actually, years ago, I was out walking with my wife on a Sunday morning and we had an airliner go overhead, which is kind of rare in our part of town uh, because it's so low and slow. And I said, do you see that? She goes, yeah, it's an airliner. What she didn't notice was it didn't have wings. Wow. And, and so uh, you get those. Uh, another way that people can see them a lot of times, um, Denver usually has you know very blue skies and uh, not many clouds. And if you get a few isolated little clouds, if you start, using a camera with a extreme telephoto on it, taking pictures of that cloud. Uh, If you look at the pictures later, a lot of times you'll, you'll see a spacecraft uh, part of it hiding in the cloud. Hmm. Uh, They they can do that to uh, conceal themselves if they want.
0: That's amazing. I mean, it makes sense because yeah, you want to hide in plain sight. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So what about these people that are seeing these, you know, what they perceive as UFOs, perhaps from another dimension, another planet Mm -hmm. or whatever. Are are those just maybe ones that forgot to put their cloaking device on or?
2: Well, if you go back to, uh, to movies, let's go back to close encounters of the third kind or Mm ET. Um, I, I, believe that those are, uh, conditioning films to get people, to get out of the idea that every time we see uh, uh, somebody from another planet, they're a threat and we need to get out the shotgun. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think we've been getting conditioned now uh, for three or four decades to be ready to um, have these beings show up and land and step out of their spacecraft and interact with us and find out how we can help each other. Um, So I, I think the reason we've been seeing so many spacecraft is, number one, is many of the spacecraft reflect races that they may not necessarily be positive or negative, but they're curious about what we are going through as we go through this major, major, uh, spiritual vibrational shift. And they want to see it. Uh, it doesn't happen very often in the universe. Sure. And so we're, we're right on the cusp of making a big move that will totally change, uh, our views of the, the universe and our society. Mm-hmm. And they want to be there. And, uh, so I think that they're here a lot, and um, they are allowing themselves to be seen, again, as sort of uh, a cultural training with us to get out of the fear factor that we're being invaded, they're going to steal our babies and eat them on another planet, you know, any of that type of thing.
0: So are we being conditioned by the media and in, in movies and stuff?
2: Yes. Okay. Uh, again, you remember I talked about people being inspired uh, for inventions. Mm-hmm. I believe a lot of ETs inspire, uh, TV and film producers and, uh, writers and others to, uh, come up with concepts that it will make, make it more palatable when we actually are confronted, you know, eyes wide open middle of the day, by golly, there's a bunch of spacecraft in the sky and they just landed and they want to come out and talk to us and have a beer. You know, I, I, I think we're being conditioned. But
0: it could also be that they're maybe under the influence of some of these dark entities and they're here to do us harm, right?
2: It could be. but I, I When I muscle test, I get that there's over 340 different uh, ET races hanging around the planet. Uh. And uh, a big bunch of them are positive, helpful. You'll hear things like the Galactic Federation and Commander Ashtar and others who... Try to enforce some of those rules you hear on Star Trek about, you know, you can't interfere with the local population. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't, you know, join into their wars or fights, anything like that. Then I think we have another group that are the ones who are just watchers or they're curious. uh, They're hanging around. They're passive. uh, They're not good or bad. They're just watching. And then I think we have a small percentage that are some of the bad guys who uh, are bringing technologies here to select groups on the planet. Who don't have good intentions for them and uh, so I think some of that's going on too Mm -hmm. Um, you know do we do we have reptilians around yeah are there reptilian bases on the moon yeah I tell people who want to dabble in remote viewing don't try to look at reptilian bases on the moon they will detect your energy and they will backtrack you and they may cause problems for you so so don't get curious in that way and and try to go look Um, (laughs) you'll set off alarms so there's, there's practical advice you can give people so that they don't uh, find themselves in a, a problematic place.
0: What about the ones that are here amongst us and look almost exactly like us, but not quite? How can we spot those?
2: Again, I, I think the, the ones that I've seen that have really stood out, there's usually something a little bit different about their face, and it's usually in the eyes. It seems like the eyes may be, a little bit wider set apart, and they, uh, rather than going to a nice point on the outside corners of their eyes, it may be a, a wider thing, and so their eye looks just a little bit more like a wedge than than an almond. Um, so that's one possibility. But another thing is, uh, sometimes they they seem to have not gotten all the training they need to to fit in to understand our terminology, to understand our, our jokes, our puns, our, right. our ways of turning language. Uh, it'd be like you going to, to England and trying to blend in, in a pub. You know, people immediately say, even if you had the right haircut <laughs> and the right black leather jacket and uh, look like you come off work at the docks, uh, the instant you open your mouth, they'd know that right. you weren't one of them. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how it is with a lot of these, uh, ETs is they've gone through their language school, they've been coached, um, but they, um, they act either inappropriately or they don't respond in a way that you'd in- anticipate in a conversation, things like that. Um, some of the other ones, they, uh, they don't try to fit in, they dress very outlandishly. You might strike you as being a, a homeless person who got the, the short end of the stick at the, the thrift store and ended up with all kinds of weird colors going <laughs> together, and uh, to the point where you wouldn't look at them for very long because you wouldn't want to be uh, in the awkward position of being accused of staring at them because they couldn't do anything about their appearance. Mm-hmm. And they, they use this to their advantage also to uh, uh, deflect inspection. So, you know, they, they might put on one of those crazy outfits and go to a grocery store just look at products, wander the aisles, nobody's going to approach them because, you know, frankly, this looks like somebody who uh, maybe a street person who's uh, a little bit disoriented. Right. So nobody will go up to them. Well, that that gives them the cover they need.
0: That makes sense. And can they tell when you're looking at them, can they tell like, Hey, this person is looking at me and yes. Okay.
2: They they are picking up your intentions when when you look at them. And, And if it's just curiosity, they may blunt it. Uh, if for some reason you you were thinking something hostile, like, oh my goodness, you know, I can't believe they allow that kind of person in the store. Maybe I should get the store manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might modify things so you'd get out of that track of thinking.
0: Yeah, I would too. Uh, so if we're out, and when I say out in the universe, I'm talking uh, any nation. On this planet, whether it be China, Russia, the United States, when other people, and I say people, when other entities or ETs from other places, when they see us, are we bad? Because we do a lot of bad things.
2: One of the things that I do in my practice is uh, I found that people are being energetically hybridized, not necessarily biologically hybridized. And so I, I muscle test on people to look at the mix between what is their human percentage, what is their ET percentage, what's their angelic percentage, what's their god and goddess percentage. Um, some people, uh, like I'll get parents who have a, say a teenager who's having a really hard time socially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, adapting problems. And uh, I'll find out that the value that they have for ET is excessively high. Maybe they're they're looking at thirty percent human and and fifty percent ET on their their energy mix, mm-hmm. and um, I'm allowed to change that. But what I find on those is the the core of ET energy within you, in many cases, will be shocked by what's going on on this planet. ETs hypothetically know that. We don't take care of people here. You know, if if you're uh, out of food, out of water, out of shelter, out of clothing, you know, well, if you can't get it yourself, too bad. Yeah. You, you know.
0: Just step right um, over you.
2: We, we don't step in to guarantee that on this planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, ETs are shocked by that. And that, that shock reaction to that, uh, if somebody has too much ET vibration in them, you know, when I do my mix test, uh, it can really affect that person on their uh, their feeling about being on this planet, of uh, interacting with others. You know, gosh, how, how could we have a planet that is so, uh, so horrifically bad to other people on the planet that we don't take care of these basic needs? You know, how, how do we have a planet like that? And mm-hmm. uh, this is something that bothers ETs. Um, if a person has too high of an angelic mix, it also bothers the angelics. Uh, Again, hypothetically, they understand how rough it is here, but when when an angel, especially if they become incarnate, is confronted by people who are in dire need, um, it can really uh, mess with their minds. Uh, They can kind of go into shock over it.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that, you know, these ETs can sense all the resources we have and say, you're throwing away, you know, $500 worth of food every night at this restaurant while somebody's starving, you know, a block down the street. So that's gotta be shocking for them too. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, everybody, you know, if, if there's no resources to go around, then I can kind of understand where, well, you know, this was your farm, you did this, whatever, but yeah, there's just so much to go around and nobody wants to share. So it's sad. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was trying to tell Ryan this story, uh, you told a story about witnessing a car crash and some people, well, not, yeah. not a horrific crash or anything, but an accident. Could you tell us that story?
2: Yeah, it, it was, uh, late in the afternoon. Uh, in fact it was, uh, probably around dinner time approximately and, uh, going out on a, a four lane road with a median, uh, My wife and I were going to McDonald's so I could get her a nice tea and we just sit and chat. And when we were waiting in the left turn lane to turn into the service drive for McDonald's, uh, a wreck happened across from us where a sedan clipped the back corner of a pickup truck who was in the left turn lane. Well, there was a fire department substation down the street about a block and a half away, and we figured they'll be here right away. We don't need to do anything. And it was a fender bender. And so we, we went in through the drive-thru at McDonald's, got to iced tea, and then sat in the parking lot, could sort of a little bit raised area overlooking the accident. Again, nothing's happening down there. Uh, the driver of the truck, a young man, uh, probably in his 30s, is out walking around, but nobody's emerged from the sedan. And I, I finally tell my wife, look, you know, I, I need to go down there and see if, he, if everybody's okay, you know, check them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go down there and I walk up to the sedan, and uh, there's a, a woman who looks like she's maybe in her 60s or early 70s wearing a, sort of a business suit like you'd see on women out of pictures of the 1960s or 70s. Uh, you know, tailored, you know, a longer skirt that was kind of tight. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's three other women in the car. And I just glanced at them, and I, I talked to them. I said, are you all right? And she goes, well, I I think so. And I said, well, maybe, maybe you ought to turn off the car. And she goes, oh, okay. And she reaches down and turns off the key. And then uh, I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, I was driving down the street, and I was following the median, and too late I realized that the median swerved to the left for the left turn lane, and it was too late for me to go to the right and get around the truck. And so I hit the truck. Mm -hmm. Well, well, that's an odd thing to say on how you drive. Most people wouldn't say, the way I follow, the way I drive around town is I follow the median on my left. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, people follow their lane. They look forward. They see where their lane's going. They look at the lane markings. They don't follow a concrete median. Yeah. And uh, then I start looking closer at the other three women in the car and there's sort of like something out of the Stepford Wives. They were all approximately dressed the same. They, they looked very similar. Um, none of them was saying a word. Um, and that's when I suddenly got the aha thing that these people aren't from around here. You know, this this is four ETs who've adapted uh, appearance. Maybe they got their clothes out of central casting and they just had an accident and got busted. So, um, I'm not going to poke him anymore. And, uh, I went over and talked to the guy, uh, for a few minutes and he, he was having a bad day cause he just found out that his cancer that was in remission had just, uh, started reoccurring uh-huh. and then they have his truck hit. So I calmed him down and then, uh, returned back to our car and after a little while more than, uh, Uh, fire department came down and a police car came down.
0: But you didn't tell them they were aliens in that car, did you?
2: Well, it really struck me that they were. Yeah. I have come across people
0: like that where it, you know, you do have that gut feeling in, I actually sent you a pic. I I don't know if you got it Yeah, Yeah, I saw that picture. I know it's a terrible picture and I don't know why I put the black circle on it because it's pretty obvious what the subject of the picture is. This person, uh, they never did anything that, you know, like I, it's not like I saw him pocket, you know, some Oreo cookies or, you know, steal anything or, or be mean to anybody. But I just saw this person and, and it's the only time it's ever happened in my life. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this, I feel like this person is demonic. Yeah, yeah. What What do you think about the pic? Does that, does that not really help you at all, just to...
2: Yeah, it, it, it kind of comes through that there's something off about that picture. And I know the uh,
0: focus is terrible and everything, but, you know, I had to ask.
2: Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it felt like something was, uh, not right there. Let me let me pull it back up on my computer again. Okay. So I, I can see that.
0: Oh man, if it's someone you know, I'm gonna feel terrible. You're gonna be like, That's my cousin, Jay, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> And just so the listeners know, I'm not going to post the picture because that would be <laughs> unfair to the yeah. person, whether they're fully human or fully demonic. You're not going to get to see the picture. You're just going to have to take our word for it.
2: Yeah. Sometimes uh, cameras even capture things a little bit different than what we physically see, mm. because I think some of these entities can influence uh what, what we think we're seeing. I, I think that happens with orbs quite a bit, where uh, you think you see one thing in an orb, uh, if you're lucky enough to be a person who can see them. Mm-hmm. And yet when you take a picture of them, you see a different pattern or image in the orb. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this, this picture of this, uh, this person that you sent me, um, when I muscle test and check their level of consciousness, uh, that's a scale from David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, it's zero to a thousand. I look at two hundred and eighty as being a yes or, or a positive. Uh, so anything about two hundred and eighty or above is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I check this person, their their level of consciousness comes out about two hundred and twenty. So
0: okay, um, so probably uh, not I would a say demon.
2: Just off the off the cuff that you know this is somebody who's uh, unpleasant or uh, very negative and maybe has some very dark vibrations around them. Okay.
0: Well, I can live with that. It it was just so weird because I like I can see auras and I I don't know where Brian stands. I don't know if he believes me or not, but I can see auras if I really soft focus. But, you know, that's that's hard to do when you're following somebody around a grocery store. But, yeah, it's just the only time I just was like, oh, my gosh, I just feel this darkness. And, you know, maybe it was, you know, she had lost a loved one that day or something. Who knows? But. Um, Now, we didn't come on here to get free readings, believe it or not, but would you you mind doing a test on me and seeing what my uh, human angel and E.T. and hopefully not demonic energy rates at? Yeah.
2: yeah. Do I need to do anything?
0: Do I need to concentrate or?
2: Uh, No, just relax for a minute. All right.
0: Find out after a quick break.
2: Welcome back, Grip Keepers. If you'll uh, take a piece of paper and draw a horizontal box across it and then divide it into five or six squares, um, then I can just give you the numbers and you can put them in.
0: All right, go ahead.
2: Okay, so when I check your human percentage on your your consciousness mix, I get uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 45, 44, 43, so I get 43%. Okay. When I check ET, I get uh, 10, 20, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, so I get
0: 26%. Okay.
2: When I check Angelic, I get uh, 5, 10, 15, 20, 19, 18, 17,
0: 16,
2: so I get 16%. Okay. And when I check for uh, Gods and Goddesses, uh, I get none. Oh, no. And when I check Ascended Masters, Ascended Teachers as a group. Uh, I get five, ten, nine, 8. So I get 8%. Okay. Um, another one I check on, some of the, the more obscure ones are Jinn. Uh, D-J-I-N-N. This is where we get the word genie from. Uh-huh. And that's another uh, uh, realm of creatures on the planet under the creator. And I get... One, two, three, four, five. So I get four, four percent.
0: Okay. My math is terrible. Are we at a hundred yet?
2: No, we're at ninety-seven. <laughs> and uh, okay, I'm going to check for Sasquatch because I always also check for that because that's been showing up. And I get one, two, three. So I get two percent on Sasquatch.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have made my day, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I knew they were real if I just believed hard enough.
1: That's amazing. Um, I think that's, that's a little low, in my opinion. I think we should ask Jay's wife about that. <laughs> what do
0: I need to do to uh, not necessarily like enhance myself, but to be... I mean, do I need to try and change any of these numbers? Or
2: If you're comfortable with who you are, how you interact, uh, you don't feel like you have any... Uh, Uh, social issues or problems on interacting with other people, then we can just leave them where they are. Uh, They do move uh, over time. When you were born, uh, if I check on human at the time of your birth, I get 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 95, 94, 93. I get 93% when you were born. So uh, these do change over time as your, your interest change, your level of vibration changes. Um, your spirituality changes. Your view of the world changes.
0: Mm-hmm. So, could it be that we're coming up with the Sasquatch number? Because I'm—I've been really deep into it since I was a little kid, and I saw Leonard Nimoy talking about it on TV, and I checked out both books our library had on it back in those days, uh, and I've just focused a lot on it. Is that something that could raise that level? Uh, it could. Okay.
2: Yeah, I. You know, um, when you go to a a public demonstration or something, and you see a medium, everybody uh, raises their hand. Somebody's always going to ask a question. I'd like to be able to do this. What do I have to do? And the person on stage usually says, "You need to meditate," but they leave it there Mm -hmm. and they don't tell people what that means. And uh, Mm -hmm. from my point of view, uh, what I really like is uh, using the guided meditations when you're first starting out, where uh, a voice on a recording says, okay, you're, you're in a mountain meadow and uh, you can feel the sunlight on your face and uh, the grass is soft to your feet. A little ways mm-hmm. away, you see a, a beautiful little cabin with a door open. It's very inviting. And then you uh, you walk to the cabin, you walk in the door, there's a table in the middle of the cabin with two chairs. You sit in one chair and a spiritual being appears in the other. Well, when you first mm-hmm. start doing this, Yes, you're imagining the spiritual being. You're creating them. No problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You're going to interact with them mentally. Uh, They might hand you an object that you look at. And uh, you could say, well, this is a function of your subconscious probably. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you do this a number of times and uh, the duration isn't important, the frequency is. So if you do it every day, that's better than saying, I'm going to store up all my time. I'm just going to meditate once on every Sunday. So you want to do it daily mm-hmm. if you can, even if it's only five minutes. And mm-hmm. uh, one day that uh, spiritual being may suddenly transform into something you know you didn't create, and it may take your hand, and it may say, I'm going to show you around. And it may take you to the spiritual plane to start walking you around and introducing you to spiritual beings. Uh, mm-hmm. This can also be true in terms of, you know, are you going to be introduced to uh, the consciousness of a Sasquatch? Are you going to be introduced to uh, an archangel? You know, all these different things. Um, but you, you have to get out of the idea that your eyes wide open looking at this. Um, maybe one day you can get to the point where your eyes wide open and you see these beams. But for most of the people who can do that, I've found that it's been a lifelong gift that they've had since childhood. Um, there aren't that many people I know who've developed their gifts and gotten clairvoyance for seeing uh, spiritual beings um, Mm -hmm. with eyes open. So you're much more likely to it with eyes closed in a slightly meditative state, and um, great things may be getting turned on for you to uh, pursue this.
0: So we we definitely promote meditation on the show. We even did an episode where I just read a couple short ones just to kind of introduce people because – You know, people, they tend to treat it like, well, I meditated for 15 minutes last night and I don't feel any difference. (laughs) And it's like, no, this is something you need to do for a long time. Before you get good at it, it's it's like uh, my daughter just started taking uh, jujitsu, yeah, like a year and a half ago. And when she first walked in, she knew absolutely nothing, and she could have said, "This is dumb, I don't know this stuff." But she stuck with it, yeah. And here we are, a year and a half later, and she's going to, you know, eight hours of classes a week, and just can't get enough. And I feel like when people meditate and they kind of cross that threshold then it's like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. How long do people need, and I know it's different for everybody, but uh, like if you were to tell someone to start meditating, how long do you think it would take them before they started seeing uh, benefits, not necessarily benefits uh, subconsciously, because I believe that there's a lot of that, but where they could see like, oh yeah, this meditation, you know, actually slowed my heart rate. Or, you know, fixed my breathing or something like that.
2: Yeah, a few, a few weeks to a few months. Okay,
0: so it's not quite as, you know, I was, I was thinking about a year.
2: It, it'll come quicker than learning how to play the piano.
1: Oh, well, I've given up at that, so. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of, like, meditation apps or using technology for it? I find it kind of ironic, maybe, that we try to disconnect from our digital life and all this distraction and kind of being overcome with comparing yourselves to other people and just everything that comes along with the way our culture is kind of gone in terms of surrounding ourselves with screens and being always connected to everybody. I, I find it ironic that to do, to, to achieve a more healthy mental state then what is caused by our devices? We turn to our devices and use those to help guide us through yeah. meditation. Do you think those work or do you think it kind of?
2: Yeah, I, I think guided meditations are helpful mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, I think some people benefit from the binaural thing where they offset the frequency of two signals in your ears. I think Monroe Institute does and some other people do it where, um, uh, they use uh, the difference of the frequency in order to entrain your brain to help you get to a, a lower state, you know, going from alpha to beta or, or uh, theta, whatever. So I think those can be helpful. Uh, but here, here's probably one of the best tools I know. Um, this is something I just came up with. Uh, the problem that most people, when they start out meditating, and even advanced meditators have, is uh, that monkey mind, and you hear that referred to where people start to meditate and suddenly they get an intruding thought about, oh, you got to remember to drop the kids off at school, you got to remember to pick up a gallon of milk, you got to remember to fill the car. Um, <laughs> sure. And these things you, you just find them very hard to turn off, and they say, well, you have to get control of your mind and and uh, be in control of the monkey mind. Now well, I found a lot easier way to take care of that issue. Oh, no. And uh, I would urge uh, listeners to try it. Um, in the space that you meditate in, you have a, a big landscape that you can create anything you want out there. So what I would suggest that you create is uh, something that they have a lot of zoos. It's called a monkey island. It's an island with a moat around it. And the monkeys are on the island. And they don't have to have a fence then because the monkeys won't walk across the water Um uh, Mm-hmm. You know it doesn't matter how deep it is they, they won't step to, or step into the water and try to escape. And mm-hmm. so you're going to create a monkey island in this uh, meditative space you have and you make it like a little footbridge over to it that has a locking gate. Every time one of these intruding thoughts comes in, you look down to it like a a little bit of a you know paternalistic father and you take its little hand and you say, Oh, the little thought about I need to to, uh, remember to brush my teeth. Well, look, I'm going to take you over to uh, the island there, or we'll go walk across the bridge and we'll drop you off. And you can play with your friends. I'll come by and wave occasionally. And you drop it off. What this does is your thoughts that intrude have an ego to them. And if you try to squash them out of existence, you try to kill them, you try to uh, make them vanish, they push back. And, uh, but if you take, if every time one of those little thoughts comes up, you just uh, take a, a pause in your meditation and say, oh, just a moment. And then you take their little hand and you walk them over to the island, open the gate, drop them off and leave and, and wave at them. Um, after a while, these things will fall off and they'll quit happening to you uh, because there's no pushback to them. There, there's no, you're not giving them any energy. So... Uh, I would recommend that people start out meditating and go ahead and create this little monkey island. And when they have intruding thoughts, they treat it like a little interrupting child and they walk it over there and drop it off and then come back and resume.
0: That sounds like a great piece of advice, because I think people do get that. And I certainly get that when I meditate, which is not enough. But, yeah, it's it's exactly like you said, just, oh, I'm trying to focus and then, oh, crap. Did I cross that off my list? Did I get the cheese? Is wife going to be mad at me? Yeah. And people think that when they get that, oh, meditation isn't going to work for me. And it's just not the case. Yeah. So most people, I think, think earthly thoughts. If I had a gift like Dave has, I would do this. But it seems like, you know, with the people that we've talked to that do similar work to you, when they realize they have this gift, it automatically turns to, I just want to help people. Yeah. So, so that's how it started for you. You just, when you realized you had the gift, you're like, I have to use this to help people. Are there people out there that have a gift that are like, hmm. How can I use this to get back at my en- or my enemies? I almost said entities. I'm looking at the uh, screen. How do I get back at my enemies? How do I win the lottery? How do I? I mean, you talked about uh, your friend Barry that could stall cars in traffic. Yeah, I think you know a lot. Like obviously, he didn't use it for evil. He didn't hmm. you know stall a no, car. No, he, he was
2: very uh, reluctant to demonstrate it for people.
0: But yeah, I think a lot of people want to know: Are there Bad people that have these gifts too, or or negatively affected.
2: You know, one one of the problems that we have, a couple social problems that we have, from my point of view, um, the first one is um, the popularity or the interest in organized religion is falling off, and uh, again, that can be attributed to dogma. It can also be attributed to uh, the bad press the Catholic Church has gotten over uh, their abuses of uh, kids things like that. Uh, And and even though the percentage might be very small, the number of times it's happened has really stood out. And and the fact that they tried to stonewall it and uh, escape it rather than fessing up and fixing it years ago was a real problem. So we have a lot of people around the world who are falling away from organized religion. And then um, we have a, a secondary thing going on where we have lots of movies now that are emphasizing, whether it's Harry Potter or Marvel movies, uh, people having superpowers. And Mm -hmm. there's a a lot of uh, young people out there who just, you know, they they give their eye teeth to have a superpower. It makes them very prone to being approached or to being uh, led into doing things that are on the, the Wiccan or the witchcraft side to get these special powers. And uh, it's presented to them as being pretty harmless at the beginning. And if they stay mm-hmm. with it long enough, they may get in so deep that now they realize it's dark, it's evil, uh, it's hurting other people. Uh, it may be satanic, it may even be a uh, ritual sex abuse to children. And now they can't mm-hmm. escape it. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are getting into the, the dark stuff that is not appropriate and, uh, they're doing it because they want to gain some mastery or power. And uh, so my, my fundamental rule is, you know, if what you're doing is an attempt to either hurt or control others, um, then the source of that power is not coming from the creator. The creator would never empower you to do that to other people. So then the question is, who is the source of that energy that's allowing you to do that? and uh, are you signing some blank checks that you're going to pay back sometime uh, because you were given these powers so i i think it's uh, not a healthy thing to to try to uh, get powers especially if it puts you put you in control of others
0: yeah i couldn't agree more now that's almost saying like karma is going to come back and get you but but you do karma burning right can you tell us about that Yes. Find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Grip Keepers.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, along the lines of, you know, I see the universe uh, moving us very rapidly where we may be doing a lot of uh, ascending to higher vibrational levels of Earth. I think because of the nearness of that happening, whether it's two weeks, two years, 20 years, 200 years, um, we don't have uh, millennia in front of us in order to play out these old uh, typical karma scenarios where Joe shoots Bob and then they both come back in another lifetime and Bob shoots Joe so Joe can see what it's like to get shot. Um, I just don't see we have the time for that. So I think karma is... uh, being scrubbed in terms of the, the big K karma, the, the karma that ties you to another person. So along with that, uh, a number of years ago, I was shown by some spiritual beings how to take a person through a guided meditation where I put them in a scenario where they are seated in a circle of chairs with all the other uh, people from other walks of life, other ages, other lifetimes, where they have a karmic tie into them. And then I walk them through a guided meditation on how to release all those karmic ties. So those go away and they they are once and for all free of all that. And it's not, a, not something that's shackling them.
0: Now that almost sounds like a confession. Is it
2: similar? Oh, no, no, no I, I don't think so. Uh, because okay. I, I introduce them to people where it goes both ways. You know, they may have hurt the other person. Or the other mm-hmm. person may have hurt them, and either way, uh, they, they've got a. Uh, that they need a release from that, and uh, I. I don't see it as like you know being expiation for sins that you would get from a, a, a priest at the front of a church. Um, okay. And, and the problem that I have with that is, uh, you know, when people go to a church, whether it's Episcopal or Catholic or Lutheran or whatever. And they go through a a structured prayer that's part of the prayer book, and um, the, the prayer involves uh, the priest giving them absolute uh, release. If people hear those words; they don't believe it. You know that's the problem. You know, okay. they, or they go to confession in Catholic church, and they they walk out of there, and they're they're free of all of that. They don't believe it. You know, even if they don't uh, reoffend. They, they still walk around saying, uh, it can't be that easy, you know. And uh, so that's why I think, it, you know, something like the karma is, uh, karma burning is more important, you know, to take people through that exercise.
0: Yeah, it sounds like everybody involved learns a lot when you do that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's not just a, eh, it's okay, you know, you're in the Mexican mafia and you cut a family's heads off and put them on a stake in front of their house. But Hey, you got this thousand dollars in this envelope, say three Hail Marys and you're free. And then they come back the next week with another envelope and another confession about how they killed a family. And it's not helping.
2: Well, in the the dark ages and the middle ages, it got even more bizarre where uh, people believe that when you were baptized, that that washed away all your sins. I mean, the wordings in the Bible, Along those lines. And so Hmm. you would have noblemen who were going to have to be nasty, mean guys in order to rule their domain. Uh, Hmm. And they might go out and they might, you know, loot, pillage, rape, kill, murder, whatever, wipe out villages. Well, they wouldn't get baptized when they were born. They'd wait till their deathbed to get baptized. So it would wash away Hmm. all their sins from their lifetime. But if they screwed up and died before they could get the baptism, then they're really a deep doo-doo.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like they deserve it. Yeah. So. Now, have you ever come across an entity where you're just like, this? this is too powerful for me? And I, and I know that, you know, you utilize light entities to help you and it's not just Dave by himself doing these clearings, but have you ever encountered a a spirit or an entity where you're just like, that's too much for me?
2: I've run into some big ones where it may not be for reasons I don't understand. It may not be my time or place to take care of it. Um. Okay. But if I get the go-ahead, and if it's appropriate, no, I haven't run anything that has been denied to me to uh, uh, take care of it. Now, the difficult one I have is there are a lot of people out there who get entangled into psychic attack, and they may be on the threshold of also having, a, um, I don't know how to say it, a diagnosed mental illness. Uh, sure. some type of something that looks and smells like schizophrenia. Um, mm-hmm. those people seem to be very susceptible to these entities, getting into them and talking in their head. And, uh, it can be very hard to get those entities out and to turn them off. Uh, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges I've had when I've had you know a, a regular mix of clients. You've
0: never, uh, woken up and looked in the corner and there's a dark shadow over there just, uh,
2: now, I, I have extensive protection around me and my property from the, the spiritual beings because, uh, I, my face is probably on reward posters in the dark realm because of the work I do. <laughs> and, uh, so they, they awesome. really keep the shields up around me. Oh,
0: what an honor. That's great. Now, if assuming that we are already clear of any dark entities, How do we protect ourselves?
2: Well, when I do a clearing, I teach people a technique. Uh, First off, I I have a protective shell around their house, and I tell them how to maintain it. But then uh, the thing for individual protection that I have them do is uh, uh, each morning for a week, when they first step out of bed, they visualize themselves stepping into a disco ball that's big enough for them to fit inside. The mirrors are on the outside, and the mirrors are one way so they can see through them. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I recommend that they also visualize in the gaps between the mirrors that those gaps are filled with the uh, white light of the creator or white light of the universe. And then a second mm-hmm. thing in those gaps is a sacred flame, and that could be a blue flame of Archangel Michael or a violet flame of St. Germain. Uh, the combination of the uh, mirrors and the white light and the sacred flame is wonderfully effective, uh, at repelling uh, dark entities, uh, energy cord attachments, curses, uh, all this kind of stuff. And um, so the people do that each morning for uh, a week when they first step out of bed, just as fast as they can stand up, they see see themselves stepping into this. And then I ask them to, once a month after that to uh, do a meditation for about a minute where they see the disco ball and they just re-energize it so it doesn't fade away. And yeah, we've heard other
0: people describe it very, very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, it it sounds like you guys are kind of all, you know, along the same line as how to protect yourself. So I mean that says a lot, you know. I if, yeah. if yeah. it's just you, it's one thing, but if it's fifteen, twenty people with your gift that are all saying the same thing, that adds a lot of uh credibility. Now now do people have to believe that this is working? For it to work,
2: I would say no, but what happens more often on that is uh, I'll get people, I'll do a clearing for them and they say, you know, my parents uh, don't live with us. Uh, I'd really like to clear them, but they would never go along with this. Uh, is there a way to do mm-hmm. it? And I say, yeah, uh, you can give me that information. I'll do the clearing. And uh, when I do that, I always get permission from their higher selves that it is allowable, so I'm not violating anything spiritually around them. And so sure. they, they don't need to know about it. They don't need to hear about it. Their their uh, loving daughter can uh, arrange it and pay for it, and that's fine.
0: What percentage of people out there are being affected by these negative entities? Just a ballpark.
2: Well, if I muscle test that, I've never checked that uh, 10, 20, 30, 25, 24, 23, 22, uh, maybe one in five. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it certainly explains a lot about the, uh, sort of state that everyone's living in now with, you know, the divisiveness being sown and, and all that. So, yeah, I mean, definitely check out the website, Dave, the com and, I do have a couple more questions for you. Okay. All right. So the the first one is, um, and, and I don't know if you want to do this on the air, off the air, or don't want to do it at all. Whatever is totally fine. Uh, we have a tour coming up at a place that has had, it's basically displayed every sort of paranormal phenomenon. And I'm trying to figure out if there's a portal there somewhere, uh-huh. if I gave you the coordinates or told you the place, would you be able to to check on that for us?
2: Yeah. Yeah. If, if you gave me an address for it or a d- address in the description. Yeah.
0: Sherman Beach Park and Al Foster Trail. It's in uh, Baldwin, Missouri. Uh, do you want me to get the street numbers for
2: you? No, I'll just do an intention. So. Uh, so, okay. this site is actually in the park?
0: It, it, it's, well, these phenomena have taken place over about a, a mile long trail that goes through the middle of this park.
2: Yeah, so if, if I just check for portals in that park overall uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, I get nine. If I check for wormholes, I get one, two, three. So the wormholes could be even more problematic than the portals.
0: I'm sorry. I was on mute. How many uh, wormholes did you say? Uh, Two
2: two wormholes.
0: And are these things that, I mean, I'm not going to have you do a clearing on this area, but are, are these things that say, I say, hey, Dave, this is my address. And you say, okay, you've got nine portals and two wormholes. Is that, that's something that you can fix? Yes.
2: Yes, I do. That's
0: amazing.
2: All right. Well, sometimes I'll have a person who lives in a house in a really bad neighborhood. You know, there's drugs all around them and uh, I'll go ahead and, and clear like a quarter mile radius around their house just to give them some breathing space. Oh, we could all use that. I think
0: I don't have drugs around here, but I do have neighbors and I have an
1: HOA to deal with. I'd, I'd like to be rid of them. Not... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last story that,
0: um, I wanted you to tell now you were actually taken somewhere to help heal these entities that were having, uh, what I gather yeah, is, sort of a,
1: uh-huh.
0: is, is sort of a, uh, like a COVID-19 they were dealing with in their dimension or their planet. And you described them as looking like June bugs. Can you tell yeah. us that story?
2: Yeah. So this was uh, many years ago and uh, I was doing my meditations each day and uh, spiritual beings would show up and say, uh, gee, Dave, how would you like to try something new or, or we have something for you to try? And You know, it, was, it was always fair game. Okay. And uh, sure. So they, they said, We want to take you to another planet, and they're having a, a pandemic there. Uh, this is long before COVID. And they said, But we have to warn you is uh, you'll have to control your emotions. You have to... <laughs> Pardon me, you have to control yourself. I said, Okay, uh, how hard can this be? And they said, We well, don't understand the, uh, the native beings on this planet don't look like humans. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. How hard can that be? And so uh, I said, well, let's go. And they, they took me and dropped me off in a, what looked like a great big, long hospital ward with just extended way far into the distance, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beds. And in each bed, uh, the sentient species off the planet looked like a June bug. And uh, they were right. I really had to work hard on, on containing myself. I mean, these poor little guys were suffering. They were, they were all sick. And uh, I was there to do uh, a large mass healing for them to uh, help them eradicate some type of virus. Um, But yeah, sure enough, there they were. They all looked like little brown June bugs in uh, hospital beds. Did you laugh? So I didn't laugh there. I laughed later.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. That's fair. You know what I I would love? And uh, I use an AI art creator for some of the cover art that we do for each episode. I would love to have you sit down with like a sketch artist and have, have you describe what they looked like? Because I tried entering in some of the, uh, you know, prompts to, you know, like June bug, humanoid aliens, and, and it just, it cannot conceive it. It just makes, uh, you know, a picture of a June bug every time, no matter what I type in. So I would love to See what a sketch artist could come up with. That sounds like a lot of fun. So sure. All right. Well, do you have anything else that we need to know tonight? Anything you want to tell us about that's coming out new? Anything like that?
2: I would just suggest to people that they go on my website. I have a lot of uh, short video clips there on my different services, how they work. And uh, if you see something that interests you, use uh, the web mail tool on my site to get a hold of me and. Uh, I don't book that far out. You can usually get in to see me within a few weeks without any problem.
0: Fantastic. Because when you go to a regular doctor, you could call them and be like, hey, uh, my pinky fell off. they'd be like, we can see you in six to eight weeks.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So (laughs) it's good when you can get in when you need to get in. Absolutely. But uh, All right. Well, I guess that's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Dave the Mystic, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, You're
2: Yeah, absolutely. This has been fun.
0: You know, this is the second time that we've talked to an engineer recently that has a great personality, too. (laughs) Most of the uh, most engineers you talk to, they're very, uh, you know, just reserved. You can't use uh, metaphors or anything. So uh, you guys are breaking the mold, man. That's great. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, Do you have
1: any final thoughts on this one? I think it's interesting that we've, we've seen sort of a pattern Mm -hmm. of people who are in highly technical fields getting into the sort of occult or esoteric, you know? Yeah. Kind of like Isaac Newton. Yeah. That was one of the things that I was thinking of. I mean, he's sort of the grandfather of modern science and he got into this stuff later in his career. It, It's just interesting that as people start to realize... I mean, he touched on it some here, but Dave talked about mathematical models for the world. And I think what he's referring to are essentially probabilistic models Mm -hmm. that describe how the world should work Mm -hmm. and what should happen under certain circumstances. But they don't really describe exactly what's going to happen in any particular scenario. And I think he's interested in the more intricate in how the world really behaves and what causes these variances and things like that. And it's it's just fascinating to me that people who are in hard sciences eventually tend to go down this road once they've sort of exhausted the explanations in more mainstream fields.
0: And they're doing great things. That's what's so cool about it. It's not like it's hampering to their, uh, you know, technological aspects, neuroscience, you know, anything like that. It's in addition to. And they understand that these things can coexist. And maybe 99.999% of the time, these hard sciences will have an answer for it but these guys are like wait a minute I want to know about that other decimal percentage of what's going on and I think that's really cool and I think it's great because I mean I can come on and tell you all about psychic powers and ghosts and all that stuff but when you have somebody who's like no I already took the scientific path and they're like and it didn't satisfy me so what else is there or it took me to a point and you couldn't get any further exactly yeah and that's why cryptique is here ryan that's why we're here that's all we've got for you tonight on cryptique Ryan, tell them what they need to know.
1: Yeah, you guys know what I'm going to say if you've listened before. Please interact with us on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. It's a great way for the algorithms and our AI overlords to learn that this is a good show and more people should see it. Either they're going to hate listening to it or they're going to like it, hopefully. (laughs) The best way is still always to share it with somebody who you think will like it we all have movie shows tv shows that we started on because somebody recommended them to us and they usually end up being some of our favorites so that that would be a great way for us to spread out too if you want to get in contact with us and let us know what you'd like to hear what you love what you hate what you want us to stop how many you know if you want us to get into more Uh, Japanese folklore so we can mispronounce things. We'd love to hear it at crypticpodcast at gmail.com You can find out what we're hawking over at crypticpodcast store.com You can find us on TikTok, YouTube, all the socials This is Jay for Ryan reminding you,
0: 30% of your calories are burned in the brain Join us next time for another workout. It's truth Good evening, Crypt Keepers